1: Welcome to another edition of Patriots Beat here on the CLNS Radio Patriots Network. I am your host, Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter. Joining me as always is Bob Snowden at SnowdenBob. You can of course follow Patriots Beat on Twitter at, at Patriots Beat. We got a nice show for you today, and the Prophets of Doom of the New England Patriots. Well, they were a little exaggerated as the New England Patriots came out and absolutely dominated the previously undefeated Cincinnati Bengals, 43-17. to That was extremely good after being embarrassed the week before at Arrowhead Stadium, 41-14. to We'll have a lot to talk about today. A battle for the first place in the AFC East comes up this Sunday at Ralph Wilson Stadium between the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills, and who would have ever thought that the first place game would be with the Buffalo Bills. I think Bob and I both uh, looked at this uh, <laughs> basically this AFC East and, and and figured Buffalo was the fourth out of all four teams. But right now they're playing the most consistent ball out of all the guys uh, out there. They've had two good victories. Over both the uh, Chicago Bears in Week One and last week, a little gimme against the Detroit Lions, but they've had some good victories there. And of course, they beat the Miami Dolphins, but then also lost to the uh, uh, Houston Texans and lost to the uh, San Diego Chargers. The Chargers are a very, very, very good team. I think they're they're one of those teams that's really going to surprise this year. Not really surprised, but they made the playoffs last year. But I think that they're an extremely good team. Um, But, Bob, what do you think? I mean, the Patriots, they looked really good on Sunday night. Um, Is this harbinger of things to come, or was this just, you know, a lucky bounce of a lucky game? You tell me what you think. I'm still –
0: I want to see it happen again. I You know, it's a lot more fun to do this show after a win like that than it was the week before after a loss like they had uh, against Kansas City. But I, I, I don't know yet. I'm not convinced yet. I'm a lot – I feel a lot better than I did prior to that game. You and I both picked them to win, so I wasn't shocked that they won. I was just ecstatic that they came out in an angry – Um, aggressive mode when they got the ball, which they hadn't done in any of their first four games. I mean, prior to that game, they had not had a first down on their first possession. And and that's unbelievable. Four games and not a single first down. The longest they had held the ball, I believe, was like a minute and 33 seconds on their first possession. And here they go up against a team that had only been giving up an average of 11 points a game. And marched down the field. First play, nice pass uh, to to, uh, Brandon LaFell. And and from there, it just went on and on and on. The team was very aggressive on the first two possessions. Now, if you go further into the game, they did flatten out a little bit. Now, they had a lead, and it was a comfortable lead. uh, And I'm not putting down what happened later on. But Brady did still miss some pretty open passes later on. And everybody myself included, was just so happy to see him run the ball a couple of times when he had a chance. And not that I like Brady to run, but if you remember the game the week before, there was an opportunity to run for first down, and he passed the ball. And and at least in this game, he had the aggressiveness back. He seemed like this game really mattered. Everybody around him was ganging up with him. And on the same page. I don't know whether you saw the Gronkowski comments or not on Brady, but prior to the game, he had uh, he had said uh, he told his brother, "I'm going to make number 12 look like Tom Brady again." And I went out <laughs> there with my teammates, and we made Tom Brady look like Tom Brady. So I, you know, they obviously are in his corner. The the people that were saying he may have teammates that don't like him or something, I think we're we're completely off base.
1: Yeah, I think you're right there, and I, you know what? First apology of the night I'm going to give to you, Bob, because <laughs> I did say last week that I did not believe the New England Patriots could go to a no huddle because I didn't think they could create the matchup problems that they were able to create, and you remember my comments from last week. I said it was the fact that they were able to go out in the no huddle and have Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez on the field at the same time two wide receivers and a running back, and they could go in anything from a power set to five wide receivers, and that was what allowed them to go into no huddle. Well, I didn't see it happening uh, because how could you after the first four weeks? The Patriots absolutely looked lethargic at best on the offensive side of the ball. Um, No one seemed to be – no one at all seemed to be on the same page and after the first drive, a drive that was 10 plays, uh, 80 yards, four first downs, took about four minutes and 57 seconds, and they had Tim Wright out there. And they had a great offensive uh, play call. And I'll give it to Josh McDaniels. It my second apology on the night because I didn't think the guy had a brain. And he actually played to the strengths of the New England Patriots. Uh, They were able to run. They were able to block very well. So I was very excited with what we saw the first two drives. Now, we did mention that they did bog down a little bit after uh, Cincinnati was able to catch their breath. And just the one troubling sign really for me was towards the end of the game, the inability uh, to get it in the end zone. Uh, they had Steven Gostowski for a 35-yard field goal um, was their last points of the game. Gostowski for a 47-yard field goal, again, with a 23-yard field goal. Their last actual touchdown was, and I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Come the on. Strip by, the strip by Brandon Bolden, who is the worst running back oh, in the world. We, <laughs> but makes a good special teams play. Makes a good special teams play. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it was Gostowski field goals. Um, well, and on that you know, on that there.
0: fumble, forced by your favorite player, another one of your favorite players actually picked it up and returned it for a TV, TD, and that's Kyle Arrington. So yes. a, a couple of guys yeah. that you aren't extremely high Kyle Arrington
1: on. had a very good game, I very, yep. very good game. In fact, uh, he had a very nice play on um, – I believe it was A.J. Green, or actually it could have been Mohamed Sanu, uh, where he, uh, n- you know, knocked the ball. He was absolutely beat. And he went out and didn't give up and, and knocked the ball, out, you know, right out from underneath him. And a great play by Deron Harmon, the second-year safety out of Rutgers, uh, to pick that ball up, a bouncing ball near the sideline. I'm like, yeah, that's going to be tough. And he got both feet down, inbounds like a ballerina. And, uh, you know, it was first and ten Patriots. So well, good. and it
0: happened so quickly. That I couldn't tell whether he kept his feet in bounds or not. And I, like you, said there's no way he was able to keep him in bounds. And then when they did the replay, he looked like a wide receiver, just tapped the feet down as he was going out of bounds.
1: Exactly. So, very excited to see. Well, the, the Patriots ran 82 plays. If they run 82 plays, that's phenomenal. Um, you know, 505 total yards. That's Excellent. Another great stat there. Uh Brady twenty three of thirty-five for two hundred and eighty-five yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions, no turnovers. That's another extremely good thing there. And the running game, forty-six carries, two hundred and twenty yards, and just a phenomenal balance between Shane Vereen and Stephen Ridley. Now Ridley did cat uh did carry the ball twenty-seven times to so Shane Vereen's nine. But let's talk about Vereen because he was out there. And if you really look at it, he had had the ball in his hands 12 times because he did have three catches. Um, Really looked uh, really, really good. Um, You know, when he runs the ball, he can move in and out. And then you have Ridley who he just gets better as the game goes on. Once he starts to get into a rhythm, I'd like to see the Patriots do that. Um, The wide receivers still, you know what, they're still – some room for improvement. Julian Edelman's second straight game where he he really didn't look great. Um, Five catches, 35 yards. Uh, You know, it was mostly done by Rob Gronkowski and Tim Wright, and I know that makes you happy, Bob, because you are the man of multiple tight end sets.
0: (laughs) Well, I just, and when we were talking about it last week, I wasn't into them doing it on every down. I just felt it had a place in their game plan, and they didn't use it a ton, but when they did use it, and, and when you read comments from others, uh, Paul Perillo for uh, for uh, Patriots Football Weekly, I believe, uh, he made the comment that Pat's offense was in gear right from the start, and the plans seemed to include getting to the line as quickly as possible. That appeared to keep the Bengals off balance, and after the game, tackle Damato Pico or Pico said he and his teammates were still waiting for the calls when the patriots were already lined up over the ball so it wasn't always just the no huddle hurry up but there were times that they went to a very quick huddle and went back over the line and and cincinnati just couldn't adjust to it so you know i don't want to take all the credit in the world but i, I just felt there was a place if there nothing else had been working on offense and my key was variety. You can't run it every time. You can't pass it every time. I know you'd love them to run it every time, and you can't do play action every time. But but there are things that you can do to to diversify and, and, and keep that other that. team off balance.
1: They definitely did that. And you know, I mean, you know how much I love the running game, but I'm also a fan of play action pass. Balance. I love the fact that they were balanced, and I think my biggest thing, where you know, I get on my soapbox each week, and I and I talk about how you have to commit to the run game. That is the reason they were able to win that game because Cincinnati could not just sit there and drop seven into coverage and use their defensive ends and defensive tackles to really get after uh, Tom Brady and and uh, expose the offensive line. The offensive line really played extremely well. That five starters there with uh, Soldier at left tackle, Conley at left guard, my man Brian Stork in the center uh, position, Brian Wendell coming back and playing right guard. And then, of course, Sebastian Vollman playing right tackle together looked extremely well. And in, in, in some of my film study this week, one of the things that really impressed me is on uh, play-action passing, which has been a downfall for the New England Patriots the last couple of years, where they've given up some sacks and some pressures on play-action passing, and you expect that not to happen. And I, and I kind of looked a little bit at, at how things had happened against the Miami Dolphins for the first game of the season, where they'd run some play action and and they were beat. It's they would run the play action, but the offensive line was not aggressive. On Sunday night, the offensive line was getting off the ball even on you know play action passing and actually selling it as a run it wasn't just the running back selling it as a run it wasn't just tom brady selling it as a run it was all five men up front so that was extremely good to see a very big test this weekend against the buffalo bills we know they have 17 sacks on the season uh, probably the number one or number two defense against the run uh, and, and a three-and-two team, so hopefully the Patriots will keep things rolling with a balanced attack that will keep the Buffalo Bills from being able to drop seven into coverage and then have their defenses, uh, defensive line pin their ears back. Well,
0: and when I would anticipate them using that play action, um, the screen, the hurry up, is when they have trapped former Patriot uh, Brandon Spikes on the field because that's his weakness. The, the his his strength is stopping the run and i'm not saying they should stop running because you know buffalo's defense is, is right now that good but i am still saying with that balance and one of the advantages of the hurry up offense is when you have that other team in a defensive set and they don't have a chance to change it and and Brady is, or, and has been for years, very good at reading that. First four games of this year, he didn't have time to read it. But if, if they give him enough time to read it, I would think those would be the times, because that's his weakness. I mean, he's playing exactly the same role uh, with the Bills that he played with the Patriots. He's in there on potential or most likely running plays, and he's not in there on passing plays. And if they can get him trapped out there...
1: Yeah, I definitely see you there, Bob, because that's going to be one thing. Especially now, I had said at the beginning of the season that I thought it would be six weeks before we really saw Rob Gronkowski become, you know, the Gronk. Well, he came back a week early in my eyes. He looked phenomenal last week. Six catches, a hundred yards, and a touchdown along a twenty-seven. And again, we we mentioned Tim Wright, five for eighty-five and a touchdown. If the Patriots can get out there and trap, as you said, uh, spikes out there with with these two tight ends, I, I'm I'm running crossing routes with these tight ends. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna run seam routes, get them down the seams, and try to get these try to loosen up this front seven of the Buffalo Bills to be able to, you know, get the run going. So a little change for me here because I want to see them pass. Just set up the run instead of run to set up the pass. And that's where I was going, uh, Jeff.
0: You and I are on the same yes. page on this one, a little bit.
1: Amazing. Yeah. You and I are actually on the same page. Hey, let
0: me ask you something. Ask you. And and I haven't heard anyone say this, but I was thinking, do you think maybe Cincinnati took that game a little bit for granted?
1: No, I don't think that they did. And we, we had actually talked about this a little bit on uh, – on last week's show where uh, you know I think I think we both said that it was a maker not really a make or break team but a a, a uh, statement game for the Cincinnati Bengals in the fact that this was going up against the New England Patriots this was even though the Patriots were reeling from the weeks before loss this was a game that they needed and I think just as the Patriots had lost uh very quickly got down to the Kansas City Chiefs the week before, and really, there was no way that the Patriots or any team was going to win that Monday night in Kansas City the way they they were playing. I'm going to say the same thing for Cincinnati. I, I think you could have brought in the best team in the NFL, which you know, you could sit there and say it's the uh, Seattle Seahawks as defending Super Bowl champions. You could uh, sit there and talk as being the Denver Broncos, but a lot of people had said that Cincinnati had been playing the best team football in the NFL, and they were absolutely steamrolled. I don't think after a week of of hearing how it was their demise and Bill Belichick being called into question, about not only his coaching style, but his personnel moves, and Josh McDaniel's being called into question uh for you know not having a a game plan that would help Brady and the uh the offensive line that was. Was you know uh, a sieve really and and the defense Matt Patricia came under some fire because they were they're running a lot of zone and not letting Darrell Revis be Darrell Revis that was one of our big points last week was that they just weren't allowing Revis to line up against the best wide receiver and shut him down well they let him do that last week and of course Tom Brady we I mean so much even to this day listening to Boston Sports Radio you're still hearing you know, that Brady is done and that he's probably going to be traded. And, you know, Jason Lock and four has come out and saying, uh, you know, he's has some stuff, Chris Mortensen coming out and saying that, you know, uh, Brady, uh, you know, there's discontent, and this could be his last season uh, in New England. And I just think all in all, there was no way that any team was coming into Foxborough last week and winning We both picked them to win last week. I believe uh, you had a fairly low-scoring game, I believe fourteen to ten. I think you said, and I I had a twenty-one to seventeen victory. So, uh, whoever thought they'd sit, turn around, and score forty-three points? Well, and I, I also, uh, my
0: whole statement at the end was, I had absolutely no faith in their offense. So, I I guess I'll back off that a little bit, especially if they show me that against Buffalo.
1: Exactly. Now, I mean, looking at the. Not-so-great portion of the New England Patriots last week. Um, you know, we've talked very highly of, of what they did. The offense, um, you know, while it did, I mean, here's a, here's one stat that I loved. thirty first first downs in that game on 82 plays. So that's telling you once every two and a half, almost three plays, they're getting a first down. That is phenomenal. But the one thing that kind of let me down as they were they were only 6 of 16 on third down conversions and they're still very
0: poor on the year in their third exactly. down conversions
1: that is not a very good thing the patriots need to be able to um really stay on the field and, and 6 of 16 you know that that's less than 30% or just over 30%
0: although I'd, i would have to say jeff the last two field goals it almost looked like they were trying to be sure they didn't turn the ball over. And,
1: yeah, they were kind of coding yeah, a little bit.
0: And, and at that point, more playing to score three, because they were far enough ahead that that three made a difference in total number of possessions that Cincinnati would have needed to get back in the game. So uh, exactly. I'm, I'm not saying they didn't want to score a touchdown, but I am saying they were a little more conservative than they had been on the earlier drives.
1: It had. And, and you know, I, it also brings me to – the end of the uh, end of the first half, where they where they kicked the points, they got the field goal, they got the points out there to make it a three possession game. I think many other times in the Brady belagic regime, they're actually going yep. for seven. They're they're going for the kill shot. But I think with the way that this team has played this year, they said, all right, we're going to take the safe bet here. And a lot of times they did take the safe bet. They did take, you know, uh, what they needed to do. Conversely, on the on the defensive side of the ball, uh, we've we, we've talked about this many times over the last two years. How the Patriots have not been able to get off the field on third down. Well, the Cincinnati Bengals, zero for seven on third down and zero for one on on fourth down. Very good for the New England Patriots what they were able to do uh, in shutting cutting down the Cincinnati Bengals. At one point, I believe uh, that Andy Dalton was 6 of 12 for 65 yards. Yeah, they,
0: they The defense had Cincinnati confused. I mean, it was throughout, I would say 90% of the game, there was one small stretch when Cincinnati seemed to be getting into a rhythm and that was in the second half, I want to say the third quarter, when they looked like they were getting it a little bit more in sync. And and bringing it downfield, but every time they did, the Patriots responded. But I, I think
1: there was answer yes. drives, yep. answer drives, right and
0: there. I I do think the Patriots defense that's more a sampling of the Patriots defense than the week before in Kansas City, because Kansas City had to be an anomaly when you look at this year's defense. Um, I am a little concerned with some of the injuries, minor that are starting to occur a little bit again this year you talked about the offensive line and um, i as i think everybody else in the world is saying that combination of solder conley stork wendell and, and volmer if they just let them keep playing together they're going to get better and better however and and i was concerned to see this stork um was unable to practice on thursday he did have limited practice on Wednesday uh, with a head injury, and a head injury opens up all kinds of doors in, in, in our thought pattern. I can't think it was a concussion because he wouldn't have even had limited practice on Wednesday. So I'm hoping that now, it's something know, minor.
1: And, and forgive me if I'm wrong here, Bob, but I, I thought he was a new add to uh, the injury report today uh him and Brandon Brown or Brandon Browner with the ankle and Stork with uh what they said was a head um today that he was limited in in practice I think you're
0: right I, I don't think, think you're right I, yeah.
1: I I don't believe Wednesday um he was limited uh, uh limited I think he played he practice the entire time uh, you, you know that could be anything that could be you know maybe he had a headache <laughs> you know little little minor you know uh, cuz I don't think especially with the way that the NFL is is uh, going with concussions, I don't think they're even having him out there if there's uh, you know a concussion. Well, and I was shocked, maybe...
0: speaking of concussions, on Amendola, the time they called that penalty for the hard hit, and he seemed <laughs> yeah. to stagger off the field, looked like he didn't have his balance, and yet he was back out there playing, uh, either in the next series or the series after that. If ever there was a, a play that I thought was going to be concussion and had just kind of checked him off, uh, I was shocked when he came back, because he caught the guy's foot. If you remember, it really never should have been a penalty in the first place. But as he went down, the the tackler was diving over him, and he, his, his Amendola's head got the guy's foot as he was going over him. I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't think that was a, a penalty in Cincinnati, although I was very glad they called it. But I, I did think he had a concussion.
1: Yeah, that's the one thing, a lot of penalties called. And a lot of ticky-tack yes. stuff.
0: Yes, I mean, both teams.
1: granted, there are – exactly, both teams. But, I mean, 12, uh, 12 accepted penalties on the New England Patriots. And I, I was looking at some of it. Uh, Patrick Chung was called for holding on on a third down where they could have got off the field. Now, he's playing, he's playing Jermaine Gresham. He's within the five yards. And he's he's basically playing press coverage, and Dalton, uh, you know, fires a pass over there, and he gets called for holding. Now, I mean, really, that's not that's not. And holding.
0: it wasn't holding. Uh, if you look, it know, wasn't holding. And, did he ha- did he brush against him? Yes. Did he quote hit? But it wasn't a hard bang, knock him over type hit. But he was within yeah. the five yards, and and I know if the ball's in the air, even the five yards goes away. But still, it it was one of those plays that was happened so quickly and there's no way that i thought that one was a penalty and i usually don't get upset or blame the officials no matter how bad it goes but there were a couple in this game again that i thought and i thought they were all weekend long in every game
1: oh yeah it was it was really you know it hadn't seemed the first week of the season and we all talked about the officials in this preseason and this emphasis on the defensive pass interference and defensive holding. And and the first week of the season, I I didn't think we really saw it. But then second, third, fourth week, we started to see it more. And then last week it manifested itself again. But I believe that uh, they came up and showed a statistic on uh, Sunday Night Football on defensive holding that had been called through the first four weeks. And it was 30 30 defensive holdings accepted in 2013 – um, through the first four weeks of the season, and 82, almost three times as much in 2014, that's a little ridiculous if you tell Well, me.
0: and the players, I, I believe the players have tried to adjust to it. But, you know, it, it, and we've said this, God, for years, before they started this year really enforcing it, you can probably call the hold on every single play. And if not on every single play, I would be willing to set a week's salary, which isn't much anymore, <laughs> on it being at least 80% of the plays. If you really watch the linemen, there's some kind of holding on one side or the other, on, on every play with the linemen.
1: Oh, exactly. E- either side. The other thing that really bothered me was the uh, penalty they called on Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. You know that—that's just a couple guys jarring back and forth. It's not like he took his head and slammed it into the guy, you know. And they call him for—I mean, that's a momentum killer right there. That—that—that that, that right there. That led to the New England Patriots' first punt, if I remember. It was on the third drive. Uh, They don't call that penalty on Rob Gronkowski there. I have no doubt in my mind that the New England Patriots are leading that game 21 to nothing. That really took the wind out of the Patriots' sails a little bit uh, because they had been playing with such swagger and such aggressiveness that when they got called for that 15-yard penalty, some of that aggressiveness really came out of them so, well and
0: if you call you that know, type of penalty in a game that goes on again not not as much as the holding but that's part of the game and it wasn't it, it wasn't like he like you said headbutted he got close their helmets did touch but the guy had grabbed his arm and and they were both jawing at each other and they both walked away it it was a non-penalty yeah. when they threw the flag and, and again it's it was one of those that Sure, I guess by the letter of the law, he hit his helmet. But I, I mean, I, I again, it was one of those that I disagreed with. But yeah. let's let's go beyond penalties a little bit and talk. I know you're excited about the writing, uh, the running game, and what's happened. I was. and I know Deep Threat, who is uh, a person that I follow, follows me, and I think follows you too, Jeff, and oh, yeah, sends out some talk, really good information. I'm going to let you go over some of those things that we we had pulled if you've got them in front of you from from his site this week on some rushing stats that i thought were pretty cool
1: yeah definitely some uh really cool stuff that uh deep threat uh going on and you can follow him on twitter at at www.twitter.com slash deep threat um you know he's got some some odd stats, he really comes up with some things that uh, are, are great and just, you know, big, big things. But one of the things was his uh, his most uh, rushes of, of, what was it, five yards yep. or more um, in the NFL over the last, is it this year? It's not this year. It's
0: um, in,
1: in their career, isn't it?
0: He didn't clarify it, but let's see. If I'm, I'm doing a multiplier real quick of how many yards that would add up to.
1: Yeah, it's definitely yeah, it's it's definitely over it's their the, career. Uh, must be. So, I mean, uh most rushes for over 5 yards. Again, this is from uh, a deep threat uh, wwwtwittercom threat. Um but most rushes over 5 yards, DeMarco Murray has 61 in his career. Uh, Matt Forte, 33; Frank Gore, 31; Rashad Jennings, 31; and our friend St- Stephen Ridley of 30. Uh, you know, that's that's he's in some good company right there.
0: And he had. Uh, you said something earlier, and and I wanted to jump in after you said it, and then we got into other subjects. The thing I like about Ridley is. If you keep giving him the ball, at some point during the game, he's going to break a pretty good run. That's what happened Sunday. Up until he had that long run, he was being held to that three, four yards a carry, and then he popped that long one. and And it, it was later in the game, and that's that's when that type of running back helps you. You use Vereen, and and you've got some stats I know in Vereen on on third downs, but you use Vereen in in tandem with him and the defense they're two different style runners and the defense has to adjust and i'm i'm still and i know you are too you've said it before convinced that ridley is the best pure skill running back on the team although vereen really showed some stuff on that third and and what was it third and 16 i think it was something like that and he went for 19 yards
1: Oh yeah, that was great. But going back to Stephen Ridley and I'm I'm going to have to find the audio uh from one of my um podcasts, uh the podcast I used to be on which was uh Patriots Goal to go, the the podcast that basically became Patriots Beat. Um it, the rookie season in the uh, in the preseason for uh for the New England Patriots, uh seeing Stephen Ridley run with the football, um, I, I looked at him as a young Curtis Martin. Now, granted, Curtis Martin became a Hall of Fame back, uh, but that's, that's one of the things that I really liked about Stephen Ridley is the fact that he's a no-frills running back when he's at his best. He finds the hole. He gets what the defense gives him. Where he's gotten himself into trouble uh, with his fumbling, Uh, number one, last year, the fumble that was returned for a touchdown against the uh, uh, Denver Broncos is he hit the uh, hole, there was nothing there, and he spun around and and, and he lost the football, but um, when he is at his best, he is churning those legs, he's hitting the hole, one cut, he's a one cut and up the field runner. And, and, he, and he does some really nice things. And that's why I think Stephen Ridley is going to really be the catalyst for the of Patriots uh, offense. I loved what they were able to do uh, Sunday night. And, and, and that brings us to Shane Vereen, who, uh, as Bill Belichick said, showed some really patient running, uh, especially on that third and 16 uh, run where he got 19 yards. He absolutely let his block set up and made a cut to the outside uh, at enough time where he was able to deke the linebacker. As Belichick says, if he doesn't, um, if he cuts it back inside too early, uh, the linebacker is going to make the tackle. So he did a nice job of starting to the outside, widening the linebacker. Finally kicks him out, and then Shane makes the cutback in there for extra yardage. That's really good running and well-executed play there between the running back and the guard. Those are a quote right there from Bill Belichick. And that leads us right into Shane Vereen, NFL-leading running backs on uh, third down. Shane Vereen, 96 yards, 8.6 yards per carry. And, and looking a little deeper into this uh, right here for uh, deep threat, uh, I'm really thinking that is actually five yards per carry uh, or more this season. Uh, I'm I'm going to say because uh Demarco Murray definitely has more than 61 1st uh, first da- five, yard uh, runs. five yard runs in his life. So I'm going to say that is this season.
0: I I again when you do the multiplier it does work for this season.
1: We'll have to get some clarification from Deep Threat, but I do believe that that is this season. So, uh very nice to see there with what the what the Patriots have been able to do and committing to the runs. So well, Bob, let's uh, let, let's talk a little bit here because this is the Patriots Beat podcast, and you can, of course, uh, find us on uh, Twitter at uh, www. twitter. com. Slash Patriots Beat. You can find myself uh, at Boston Fat Guy, and of course Bob Snowden at Snowden Bob. Uh, we welcome your ratings, your reviews, and your subscriptions on both our iTunes and our Twitter. Um, sorry, not Twitter site, but our Stitcher site at www.clnsradio.com/slash uh, i Pats Beat iTunes and www.clnsradio.com/slash Pats Beat.
0: And you also – and and I've mentioned this before because this is how I do it in all honesty because it's easy and I'm kind of simple. If you've got iTunes and you play your music on iTunes, you just go to the iTunes store and search Patriot's Beat, and it will find us. That's all there is to it. And then when you get to Patriot's Point, you'll see a list of the stores you just click on or the uh, shows – and click on the most current one, you get this one and you can grade us there, you can make comments there. Um and I have found that, you know, some of us old farts aren't into this new technology and stuff. So that's the simple way I do it.
1: And if you actually read some of the call uh, the comments out there, you'll see a lot of our female uh branded uh <laughs> You're gonna go there actually again, huh? find me <laughs> Extremely devilishly handsome.
0: I think I thought you were going to avoid that this week.
1: No, no, no. I'm going, to, I'm going to yeah, as much that as you can, as work. long as you can. Devilishly handsome, and, and if you realize I think we actually know what we're talking about, so we lie with the best of them. That's the best part about it. Either that, or the ratings and review people lie, lie very well, but definitely check us out. This is Pop
0: Sosier your play-by-play broadcaster for the New England Patriots, and you're listening to Patriots Beat. You know, you were talking and earlier have the, and uh, we were talking about the hurry up, and one one last thing about last week, and then we'll hopefully get into more about this game against uh, Buffalo this week, but against Cincinnati, and this is my Mike Reese Stat of the Week. You know, I always have one.
1: Huggy, huggy, there you kissy, go. Kissy. But the
0: Patriots had 84 offensive snaps. Only 25 were with more than two receivers on the field, and that kind of backs up what I've been saying before is the weapons aren't always there. But that I was surprised to see that because they did pass more, and they had more people open. Now, two receivers, and I, I didn't ask Mike, and I should have probably tweeted when I saw this to him and, and asked the question, he's got to be counting the tight ends as receivers, right? I mean, I. Two receivers. There's not many receivers up there on the field.
1: No, he's actually what he's what he's counting right there is just the he's just counting the wide okay. receivers he's not counting the tight ends as as okay. receivers uh i read the exact same article that uh, that you read um and, and basically mike reese coming out and uh you know saying that the patriots had uh you know two receiver personnel out there a lot of two back uh a lot of two back out there uh, a lot of two tight end out there and, and they really only had uh brandon lafell and it'll uh, Julian Edelman out there, um, and and really were able to cause mis- mismatches as as Tim Wright continues to learn this offense and as Rob Gronkowski continues to uh, rehab and, and rehabilitate from his ACL tear. And is starting to uh, come around, as we said earlier in the program, to being the old Rob Gronkowski. A uh, couple quick little last little things on last week's game um, that really um, – that I really want to touch base with. Uh, Number one is Aaron Dobson. Um, He made one catch, but he really looked good on that catch. And I really think that Yes, they've said. I mean, we talked last week of how you know he had been uh, you know inactive, and there could have been some you know shouting and this and that between him and Josh McDaniels, and was refuted by the Patriots. The Patriots even brought out a uh, you know a referendum, a memo saying that you know it didn't happen. I, I really think with him, it's that foot injury, and they're le- they're, they're they're bringing him along very very slowly. That's what I think there. On to our Danny Amendola, and, and you know, I think – I want this guy – I want this kid to really – I want him to succeed because he's such a likable guy. And, uh, I mean, even last year, he caught 54 passes of his team. You know, granted, he wasn't everything we thought he was going to be, but he's a good wide receiver, and he's tough as nails. I mean, he got up woozy. I didn't think he'd be back, and he was back out there. Now, granted, he got one catch – for I think it was seven yards, but it was a first down. That could be the type of play that really starts to get that chemistry back with with Tom Brady. And final thought for me from the Buffalo Bills game is when Revis went down and and with the hamstring injury and and went into the locker room, and and, and next thing you know it's a touchdown to A.J. Green over um, over, uh, Logan Logan Ryan. Ryan. Yep. It, it reminds me a little too much of when Akeem um, when Tlaib used to go down. So uh, I don't want to well, One that of the differences is Rebus, Rebus came
0: back. When Tlaib went down, yeah, usually sure. he was out for the rest of the game. Rivas came back.
1: Are you calling Tlaib a pussy? And, and
0: I, wanna, I didn't say that. I <laughs> want to, to look at this week's game defensively and see if we have that same type of matchup. With Revis this week, as you know, the the rookie who everybody is touting, Sammy Watkins, will Revis go man to man again this week, or will they use the zone again? Or you know, it'll it'll just be interesting to see because although he didn't shut down Green completely, uh, he did a pretty darn good job, and and he played what we expected him to play, and I was as everybody was glad to see him get on the same page defensively. And and now let's go ahead to Buffalo a little bit here, Jeff. Uh, this is going to be a tough team. People are looking at history. And I, last week before the show, I said, you know, with this year's team, I don't know that you can count on history. However, the Patriots have dominated Buffalo throughout the history. It may seem like they haven't because they've had some some pretty close games. But as far as wins and losses, the Patriots are, you know, I... Just 66-41 uh, edge in the series. Uh, they swept them in 2012. They swept them in uh, 2013. I'm trying to go back in time here. They swept the series 23 times. I mean, statistically, when they play each other, the Patriots have dominated. But this is a different Buffalo team this year. Um, I'm glad they don't have a quarterback because I think defensively we should be able to stop them. And not that they don't.
1: Well, I don't know. Kyle Wharton uh, completed almost 70% yeah, of his well. passes so far. And, just, and Detroit, they yeah, should have won that game, 30.
0: though. I mean, let's let's be oh, honest. No, exactly. Detroit lost. Buffalo didn't win. Detroit couldn't kick a field goal if their life depended on it, and they'd have won the game if they could. They missed three yeah. field goals, and they were playing without their best wide receiver. So, you know, Detroit, Detroit lost. Buffalo didn't win as far as I'm concerned in that game, and I know my Buffalo... Friends will be upset to hear me say that a win is a win, and we've said that many times. But when you look at it, and then at the end of the game, this is <laughs> this pissed me off. I don't know what your reaction was, but when the defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz asks his players to carry him off the field if they beat the Lions, talk about Bush. And I, I mean, he was <laughs> fired by the by the Lions as a head coach, so I guess that's why. But it was one game, and it yeah, wasn't you know. like they they won the game by a hundred points. And to ask your players, the players didn't volunteer to do this. The players didn't get all excited and say, "Ooh, let's carry our coach off the field."
1: Yes. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't a root, it wasn't a Rudy Ow. moment. You know, it wasn't a Rudy Rudiger moment. I mean, that's just that's just I don't know. That's. It's a defensive game. You, you, I mean, you won the game seventeen to fourteen, and Calvin Johnson is, wasn't, isn't exactly a hundred percent right now. You know, Reggie Bush uh, didn't have a good game. I don't believe that uh, Bell, their other running back, uh, played in that game. That is a little Bush League. Don't. I mean, If it's the last game of the field.
0: year and it takes you to a championship,
1: we're talking about the. If you win a Super Bowl, carry yourself off yeah. the field. I mean, I. I, it, I,
0: I my question is, if he hadn't asked them, would they have done it?
1: Yeah, no, so I don't think they would have done
0: then, therefore, it. it's like patting yourself on the back.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's not like they had a phenomenal game. I mean, yeah, they won, yeah. but they didn't exactly have a phenomenal game. I can tell you one thing. The Buffalo Bills uh, crowd is going to be roaring and ready to go. Uh, I, I, I've been forewarned by some of my friends up in Buffalo about how rowdy that they're going to be this week. And I've seen that crowd when they suck, and they're, and they're well, rowdy. And there's, there's a couple uh, of reasons.
0: I, One, they've got a pretty good team. And second of all, they now know the team's going to be staying in Buffalo because the ownership has officially been approved. And now that, that team is owned by the same guy that owns the Buffalo Sabres, and they're comfortable they're going to stay in Buffalo.
1: That's a good thing because, I mean, Buffalo, I'm going to tell you right now, it is a great city. You know, you don't hear it very often that, you know, uh, you you say, oh, that's, you know, cheer on another team's fans. And I've been up to Buffalo many times to see the Patriots game. And I I will say right now that, um, you know, 99 out of 100 of the fans up there are just dominant, great football fans. They know their sport. Uh, and they love their bills, and and I'm very happy that they're going to be um, staying in Buffalo. You didn't, I didn't want to see the Buffalo Bills move, you know, out of uh, out of the AFC um, East and and become the you know the Los Angeles Express or something like that. Very happy for the Bills and their fans that they basically are staying in Buffalo. I hope they get rid of this stupid uh, play one game in Toronto. You're you know, just doing kissy-kissy kissy,
0: because your buddy has bar up there. Buffalo sucks.
1: Well, it's, a, <laughs> it's a city. <laughs> and I got a lot of friends there. <laughs> the, bar, the bars are open hey, to the in the morning. That's they, why you like they, buffalo. It's great. I, I do. I love buffalo. Big shout-out to my, my buddy, uh, Coop, and, uh, you know, he really doesn't work at the bar that I love anymore. Shenanigans, but uh, he works at a hoity-toity place. Uh, as I said to him, I said to him the other day, looked like a hoity-toity gay bar. <laughs> Um You know, I kind of, I kind of figured it'd be like walking into the, um, in uh, the Oyster Bar in Police Academy. Like all I can hear is. Da, 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 da. <laughs> I'm getting a little scared if I go into that bar. But Buffalo, I
0: used to have to go to Buffalo, have to go, and I, I underline have to, go to Buffalo about two or three times a year uh, with the company I was with at that time, and let me tell you, and we stayed downtown. That downtown is just dead. There's nothing there. There's There's, like most downtowns, but it just, you either go to the casino, which is real handy, you go to a bar, or... You go up to Niagara Falls, and that's about it.
1: Yeah, I can see Niagara Falls in my yep. bathtub. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding there. All right, let's get into a little bit of the nuts and bolts of, of, of this week's game because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that the Patriots, the one thing that they really need to stop is this run game of the Buffalo Bills, um, especially C.J. Spiller and Fred Jackson, and I think they can do it. I expect them to do it. But we've seen the Patriots in the past year plus have some issues against faster running backs who are able to uh, take delays and draws and, and, and get some yards. We saw what the uh, uh, Kansas City Chiefs did against the Patriots and, and, and what No. Sean Moreno did in week one. That scares me a little bit it's this game is going to turn on whoever can dominate that line of scrimmage when the patriots are on defense and the bills are and on And what offense.
0: worries me and i agree with you that their running game i never thought i would be complaining that that suliver suluga Saliga, or Saliga, whatever the heck it is, would Salinga. would be missed but he is because he's that other big body that allows, as we talked last week, Will Folk to to kind of bounce around a little bit and and against the run. Um, and you've got we had mentioned earlier easily possibly uh, not being available. We're hoping he will, uh, but but he's not really the run stopper either. So I I agree with you. I don't worry about them a whole bunch on, on offense, despite the fact they have a great wide receiver, a rookie wide receiver. You're a little more impressed with Kyle Orton than I am. I, I just don't think that he could do much to win the game as a quarterback standpoint, but I think their defense can.
1: He's a, he's a very good game manager, and that's what the Buffalo Bills need. They have the offensive weapons. Around them with their, uh, you know, their rookie wide receiver out of Clemson, Sammy Watkins, uh, the two running backs set in uh, in Spiller and Jackson. I like what Robert uh, Woods, the second uh, year player out of USC, uh, can do, and, and and Scott Chandler, the tight end, always seems to have a big game against the New England. Well, it's
0: Tigers. funny because he was the uh, one you and I preseason when before free agency even he was. He, he was one of the players that, that I was very high on as possibly signing as a tight end.
1: Yeah, exactly, and they and didn't sign any tight end. Although I will say right now that um, number ninety eight, uh, Casey Walker, um, really showed up last week. Uh, in fact, if you remember, he uh, he was the one that tossed. Uh, I believe it was uh, Giovanni Bernard back, and there was the fumble that uh, Rob Ninkovich picked up and brought back for a touchdown now granted uh his forward progress was was said to be stopped but uh this is a kid that's 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 a big body uh six foot one three thirty five um you know he played okay in the in you know an interior lineman position as i said it's going to be whoever wins that offense and defensive line battle not only on The Patriots, when the Patriots are on defense, but also when the Patriots are on offense, uh, exactly how they uh, how they can stop uh, the Buffalo Bills. Um, I would expect that, uh, you know, the Buffalo Bills are going to come out and and try to establish a run game uh, and to help Kyle Orton. um, But I would expect the New England Patriots to be able to attack that line of scrimmage and allow 8 men in the box and allow Darrell Revis to go head on head with the rookie uh, wide receiver. No, I
0: agree. There. I agree. I I think that the run once again is going to be an important part of it. I do believe as as we said earlier in the show, they set up the run with the pass, but I don't want to see a series where it's three passes, three runs, three passes, three runs. I want to see what they did last week and diversify. And there may be a series that three passes is great or three runs is great, but it's all predicated on what happens on that first down. And and don't get stubborn and say, well, great, we gained seven yards on a pass play in the first down, so we're going to pass the next two and, and end up with two incompletions and a punt time. So I, I, I do think Revis will end up one-on-one against Watkins. Watkins averages 11.8 yards a catch, so it's downfield that he's catching the ball. It's not those little short five, six yarders. He may be breaking some, for, for some tackles, but he's basically been a pretty long yardage receiver. The thing that scares me the most with Buffalo on their defense is their sacks. I, I want to see this offensive line hold up. It's uh, 17 sacks, a lot of sacks in their first,
1: it is yeah, a lot in their first
0: five games. And
1: and the guy they're really going to have, I mean, we all talk about, you know, how they have the, the big signing in uh, Mario Williams a couple years ago. Uh, but Marcel Darius, the defensive tackle, big body boy, six foot three, three 331 pounds, 24 years old, uh, you know, came out of Alabama, was, I believe, the third overall pick, second overall pick a couple years back, um, but five sacks That's already. three last week. And we've talked yeah, about exactly, last, last week. Exactly, and, we, and we've talked. We've talked about this. The way to get after Tom Brady is interior pressure. So a lot of things are going to be on Ryan Wendell and Brian Stork, and and of course Dan Connolly just stopped this kid, um, you know, and and hopefully uh, get a pocket against. Well,
0: the and he was the defensive player of the week, the AFC defensive player of the week this week. And when you look at their statistics and and you talk about sacks, uh, he has five. Williams has three and a half. Jerry Hughes has three. So they've got three guys there that, that get at the quarterback. And and you and I have said, and you much more than me, that sacks can be a deceptive stat. Uh, they're not the the win-all, do-all, because sometimes you get a sack, but if you don't get pressures along the way.
1: Yeah, the pressures to me are, are, are just as important, if not more important. Why don't important,
0: they keep stats uh,
1: on that, than, than Jeff? You know, I don't. They, I mean, they keep it during the game, but I don't see it. You know, you don't can't really look up how many defensive yeah. pressures they have. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Like a, a pro football focus. Well, and,
0: and when I say oh, why well, don't you know they
1: what? Keep... You know what? I'll tell you right now. Let's let, let's get a hold of Deep Threat and tell them that we want to see stats. the pressure okay. stats because. That's what I want to see. Now we saw last week against the, uh, you know, one of the things that the Patriots and, and their fans are sitting out there saying is, is they're still not getting after the quarterback enough, and they're not getting enough sacks. Well, you know, I've said it that I think they're a little overrated from time to time. That pressures are are more um, than sacks. We saw last year in the Super Bowl, uh, the Seattle Seahawks only had one sack on Peyton Manning, but they were constantly. Uh, pressuring him and hurrying him, so I think that is uh, more of a hurries and pressures and knockdowns are much more of a a barometer of a pass rush than sacks. And
0: I agree. Gee whiz, you and I agree on a lot today.
1: They're this suckers. is yeah, no arguments, no
0: ca- man. Now both teams are plus six on the turnover keep away. Uh, they're both tied for I think it's second place in in the NFL. So they both are very good at that. The Patriots have had uh, um, six interceptions and five fumble recoveries. So They've been good on the turnover ratio. The only bad game in every department was bad was the Kansas City game. And I would expect they always seem to get a lot of turnovers in Buffalo. But they also have turned the ball over fairly often in Buffalo. I'm trying to remember one game. I want to say it was about three or four years ago. It was like every possession, it seemed like, there was a turnover, uh, and it may have been further back than that, but it, it, there always seems, when they're in Buffalo, to be a fairly large amount of turnovers.
1: Oh, definitely. It, it, it's it's tough. It's a tough thing in Buffalo. Buffalo is a a loud, loud stadium, and their defense has been good for the last few years, so... Uh, it'll be interesting as we move forward exactly what's going to happen with, uh, with the Buffalo Bills and, uh, and if this team is is good enough. And if they continue – Buff- uh, if Buffalo gets more turnovers on Sunday, it's a game they're going to win because that crowd is going to get into it um, just as loud as Kansas City did. Uh, you know, maybe not decimal uh, ability-wise, but uh, they'll be they'll they'll get their swag on up there. There'll be some cocktails in all those people, and if if they start to make things happen, um, you know it'll get loud and, and, and make life hard on Tom Brady and the New England Patriots.
0: When you look at defense, though, so, when one of the things we all after that Kansas City game, everybody was deflated, uh, and that's a, a mild word, but even after that game. The Patriots are fourth in the in the NF, uh, NFL in yards given up per game at three hundred and sixteen point two. So they're still doing very well uh, defensively. They're third against the pass. Um, rushing, they're seventeenth, but that's still a heck of a lot better than they were last year. And it's, so the defense has stepped it up, despite having one horrendous game. Uh, and Buffalo is Buffalo's similar. They, they've they only given up 17.8 points per game. However, uh, coming into last Sunday, uh, Cincinnati had only given up 11. So I'm, I'm not too sure that points per game is quite as critical as some of the other statistics. But they're equal, very close in defense against both the pass and the rush. Uh, where I'm sorry, against the pass. But on the rush, they're second in the league. And this is what we talked about earlier. So... The pass, I think, is going to be a little bit more important. Although I do want to keep them running this week.
1: No, I agree with you that they. I want to keep them running this week, but I also want to see them establish a passing game, and I want to see them establish one thing with the with the Buffalo Bills front seven. Um, is they'll 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 drop uh, De'Andre Cer- Searcy, Cer- Cer- their safety. They'll drop him into the box. Uh, and also help out that front seven in stopping the run game, uh, and, and they and you know they they expect Leodis McKelvin, uh, their cornerback, and um, I, I'm killing myself right now trying to think who uh, who their other cornerback is. Jarius Bird, of course, their for. their very He's good out. safety, but he is out. But but that's the type of thing that they do is is they'll drop eight into the box and say, okay, beat us on the outsides. Um, and and on, you know, uh, Stephon Gilmore—that's the—that's the cornerback uh, the that I was talking about. They have a very good defense. I'd like to see the Patriots be able to, um, you know, not really take the cover off, you know, the top off the ball, but at least challenge downfield to loosen up that run defense. Whether it's to a wide receiver, being Julian Edelman or Brandon LaFell or even Aaron Dobson, or if it's to work those seams, like we said off the top of the show to Tim Wright. And to um, excuse me, to Tim Wright and to Rob Gronkowski to loosen that up a little bit. And I expect um, if I'm Bill Belichick and this and this offensive staff, if what my game plan is going to be is it's going to be matchup based, and it's going to be having that that base set out there, whether that base set is two wide receivers and two tight ends, or two wide receivers, the tight end, and two running backs. And, and and being able to attack the center of the field, keeping a guy like Brandon Spikes in there while he's a great two-down linebacker at attacking the, the line of scrimmage, I think that they can really work him, uh, and they know him better than anyone else. I mean, they know him right now better than – than uh buffalo does so they know exactly what they uh what they have and what they can do against Brandon spikes uh so my thought is that the attack uh, they attack the center of the field whether that be with the run game whether that be you know passing the tight ends i wouldn't be too surprised if you saw them come out in an ace formation with two wide receivers with two tight ends, and having Brady in a shotgun with, say, Shane Vereen next to him and using a lot of uh, misdirection uh, running. A couple years ago, uh, the Patriots were able to put up huge rushing numbers against the Buffalo Bills, and they used a lot of counter runs there because it's an over-aggressive defense that attacks the ball. I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of counters out of the New England Patriots. Well,
0: this this is a big difference, though, between last year's Bills, we talked about earlier on defense, and this year because they were horrendous against the rush last year, the Patriots ran all over them, and and this year they've corrected a lot of those problems, and so I I don't know that you're going to see a huge rushing game, but I I do think again it's that balance. Just give me yeah, third. It's that balance. I if it's twenty nine, I'm okay if they win, <laughs> but I I do want to see the balance, and I I think that they've proven that they can do that at least against what seemed to be a pretty good defensive team. I think Buffalo's defense is a little stronger than than the, the Bengals' is, and this will be the next test. If they win this game, yeah, they play the Jets next, and then they play Chicago. So, hypothetically, I, yeah. I don't want to look ahead too much well, here.
1: Well, we're on to yeah. Buffalo. So, but, yeah, no, I understand where you're going from because – that is the one thing they get it, it's a short week after this for the New England Patriots and they, and they jump back on uh, you know a short flight home from from Buffalo, uh, and then they'll they'll go up against the Jets. Um, and let's just say this right now: the NFL Thursday Night football get rid of it. It's horrible. It's horrible. I mean, look at look at the game that uh, last I mean, week.
0: They're I mean, all one sided. The
1: average score. They're they're all one sided. Even the this game with uh, Indianapolis and Houston, yep. Uh, yep. very one sided. But um, I think the average score of those games is thirty to twelve. It, it's bad. The football. only reason
0: I like it is it's another day to watch the NFL. I, I mean that's it. That's the only reason. It's like okay, great. I don't have to wait till Sunday. Here's a game here, but.
1: Uh, give me but, college football. See, I'm not, not a college football fan, so
0: I'm, I'm not a college you football be. fan. I watch I, you you know, the big games, but I'm not into it, like I am the pros. So I enjoy the fact that there is a game Thursday night, but they are blowouts. They are blowouts almost every week. And the hard part for the teams, and I didn't look this up before. I, I will look it up before next week's show. It's interesting to see the teams that have the short week how much difference that makes. if if, and And I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when we played Kansas City at night and then we're getting ready to play another night game and that little bit of extra time it gave the Patriots to prepare after being blown out by Kansas City and they seemed to take advantage of it. That short week is a killer. Think about it. You play Sunday, you're off Monday, Tuesday is usually a meeting day, then wednesday on most weeks is your first practice well if you got a game thursday night all of that backs up and has to back up and the ability to game plan uh, for that specific and game just is tough it doesn't
1: give it just does not give players enough time to recover yep. from injury yep. it really doesn't it's a, it's it, it's again another and and it's for it's a feather in Roger Goodell's cap because He's making money hand over fist, but it's putting a poor product on the field. It really is. All right, Bob. Well, we're running really short on time here on CLNS Radio's Patriots Beat. Um, we might as well go to our picks for the week. Uh, I believe you went first last week. I went, So I'll go first okay. this week. I, I, I think the New England Patriots win this game, um, and I think this game is going to be very close up until the, the second, uh, second half. And I expect the New England Patriots to come away with a 28-17 to 17 victory oh, over You the took bills. my score! I swear to yes. God, that was the score I was picking. Wow, we've agreed Too on much wages. Tonight. Is it like a Too blood much red much tonight? tonight as well? I mean, I'm, seriously,
0: <laughs> I had written down 28-17. And before you started talking. Now, I guess I need to change it, just so... Uh, can, can, can I Can I do the same score?
1: Okay. I'll allow you to do the
0: same score, so neither one of us can brag next week if they win twenty eight seventeen but that's the same score exactly. i picked really but, i i that uh, all
1: right I'll, I'll let you give yourself an offense and defensive player All right.
0: Of the game. offensive player of the game Just last time I picked Danny amadola <laughs> we know how well that worked out um gronk gronkowski i got i gotta think this is. Last week he really started to to be the old gronk. he bowled into the end zone, breaking tackles uh but he still dropped a couple of passes. He still had a couple that,
1: yeah, yeah that,
0: that is not the one hundred percent gronk so
1: yeah, I think that's also working the way back yeah no me. i
0: agree so i i'm i'm gonna say he is this is his game this is this is the one where full blown out gronk is is out there and just dominates.
1: And it is week six, yeah. and that's when I said we'd get full. So, so
0: he's my offensive player. My defensive player of the game originally I was thinking Revis again, uh, but I'm not quite as sure. I, I kinda like Mayo to have a breakout game. He's been pretty solid, but he hadn't had that really great been. game yet. Uh and I, I'm I'm gonna go with Mayo. All
1: right, all right, well I'll give you mine. I think this week is, uh, we've talked about it the entire podcast here, is matchups. And this is a week of matchups for the New of Patriots, and it's going to be Shane Vereen. I don't think he's going to get the most carries on the team. I think that Stephen Ridley is going to be that bell cow. But I think out of the backfield, uh, catching passes, especially against that aggressive front four of the Buffalo Bills, uh, it's going, he's going to be a good player, a nice check down player. Uh, I think he's going to get you know, probably 10 to 15 touches between catches and passes this week. And I think they can really uh, use Vereen along with uh, their two tight end set to to kind of loosen up that defense there. Uh, and I think Vereen's going to have a very big game. Uh, he had an extremely good game week one last year against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and on defense, you know, I I looked at Mayo, but I'm actually going to give it to a guy who's had a very good, poor season so far and that's rob ninkovich uh i think he's this is his week that he could really help out this team he's always been um very good up in buffalo he's had some of his better games up in buffalo so i'm going to take rob ninkovich um to put it out there so again both bob and i picking 28 to 17 this week uh we will be back next week Um, And it's going to be probably on, uh, as we normally broadcast, uh, Friday mornings at 5.30 uh, is when our podcast releases uh, with the Patriots playing uh, next Thursday. uh, Our podcast will be released. Uh, early, uh, probably going to be released uh, uh, Monday uh, or Tuesday morning. I'm sorry, Tuesday or Wednesday morning. Um, give us a, uh, give us a chance. We'll put it out there. We'll tweet it out there. But thank you everyone for listening. Uh, again, this is Patriots Beat on Sealance Radio. I am your host Jeff Kane and my co-host Bob Snowden. Thank you very much. Have, have a great
0: a week, chance. everyone. For Internet Sports Talk Radio, CLNS Radio.